Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. First, I want to talk about the Californication of Western politics. I was listening to the Red Hot Chili Pepper sing that epic song just the other night, and it struck me that Californication is the heart of our problems. It is the export of Californication that has poisoned the entire discourse destroyed the ontology of Western politics, making left, right, and right, left, making it impossible to discern between right and wrong, making liberalism the new reactionaryism, making reactionaries the new champions of liberty. And it all came from California, with apologies to the good people of that great state. And I was there. I saw it happen. I always joke that I saw the decline of the British labor movement coming when we were forced to sit in circles in workshops at trade union weekend schools and summer schools. Whereas once we'd sat in serried ranks and soaked up expertise from expert speakers. Now everybody was an expert whose opinion was as valid as the next person's, and therefore we had to sit in a row. I was joking, but only half joking. But we now live in a situation where Kathleen Stock, an esteemed academic, a lesbian, a feminist, an activist, is being treated as if she was the devil incarnate and not allowed to speak anywhere without being banned, harassed, or even physically attacked. Believe it or not, there are serious people in this land who have threatened and mean, if they can, to kill Kathleen Stock for the crime of insisting as a lesbian and feminist that a woman is a thing, that it is an adult human, female. That's what a woman is. And that children breastfeed. Mothers are mothers, not birth givers. That men cannot give birth. That men do not menstruate. This is the credo of Kathleen Stock. Every sane person in the country knows that women don't have penises. That men don't have a cervix, but no political leader in the land can say so. That is Californication. And the Californication of our political system is almost complete because even in the hallowed halls of the Oxford Union this week, Kathleen Stock was unable to speak 
in a bastion of free speech which existed as a bastion of free speech before the United States of America existed. In fact, was a bastion of free speech when the Aztec Empire was still intact. In the Oxford Union, this woman was unable to speak her truths, truths which the vast majority of people in this country and in every sane country in the world know to be the truth. But she was unable to speak her truth for fully half an hour. A trans right activist glued herself to the hallowed floors where once Oscar Wilde trod, glued herself to the boards, making it impossible for Kathleen Stock to speak. Now, I have never met Kathleen Stock. For all I know, she may hate me. I have nothing in common with her except an appreciation that a woman is a real thing, a definable thing, a thing which has existed and will exist in all eternity. A thing that if not for whom, the rest of humanity would perish, indeed would never have existed. I have a mother, I have a wife, I have daughters, I have a sister. I know that a woman is a thing and it is not something to be trifled with where somebody with a swinging dick can define themselves as a woman and force, intellectually terrorize the rest of us into believing it. Now, I don't know Kathleen Stock, but I once knew Germaine Greer very well indeed. Germaine Greer, when I knew her very well indeed, was the high priestess of feminism. She was women's liberation incarnate. Now she can't get a gig. No television station would put her on. No university would allow her to speak. No publisher would publish her words. She can't get on television. She can't be renting, hiring, or even buying a platform anywhere. Germaine Greer has been made into a reactionary, an incarnation of badness, of evil. And I've had enough. The Kathleen Stock pictures were enough for me. And I am going to spend every waking hour I have to resist and struggle against this Californication because it is the source of so many of our problems. So that weapons manufacturers, arms manufacturers, can literally paint rainbows onto their weapons and liberals cheer. Liberals cheer NATO because it claims to be fighting for LGBTQ plus I, two spirits or whatever other acronym has happened in the last five minutes that I haven't quite caught up with yet. If you're on the left, you're with NATO. If you're on the left, you're with the EU, with Joseph Borrell describing Europe as a garden, though it's become fast a jungle, and describing the beautiful rest of the world as a jungle, though it is 
a more bounteous garden than Europe will ever be. If you are on the left, you have to hate China. You have to hate Russia. You have to love America. And above all, you've got to, as Will Hutton, in surely the parody of all parodies in today's Guardian and Observer, claims that Joe Biden's nifty footwork has tied his opponents in knots, that Joe Biden is a political wizard. I'm not making this up. It's in the Observer today that Joe Biden is the acme of liberal Western political leadership. And in fact, that much at least is true. And therein lies the problem. Now, as John McEnroe once said, you cannot be serious running this guy again for president for another four years. A guy who cannot control his bowels in the presence of his holiness, the Pope. A guy who cannot find his way off a platform. A guy who trips over imaginary matchsticks on television, live in front of august and significant audiences. A guy who can't speak without an earpiece, literally telling him what words to say, and he still cannot say them. A guy not fit to be sent out for a loaf. As my good friend Lionel says, would you ask Joe Biden to pick you up from the airport? As I say to parents and grandparents, would you let Joe Biden look after your children or your grandchildren? A guy who has his finger on the nuclear trigger. A guy whose leadership is being accepted by the prime ministers and presidents of all the countries of the Western world, even though his orders are taking us off a cliff at the bottom of which lies absolute destruction. Taking leadership from John Kennedy or even Bill Clinton is one thing. Are you really prepared to say that Joe Biden is your leader? Are you really with Will Hutton? That Joe Biden's nifty footwork has outfoxed all of his rivals? That Joe Biden is the best thing since sliced bread, even though I say he's not fit to send out to buy the bread? That's the new dividing line in politics, you see. It's not left and right. It's are you prepared to follow the old man wherever he wants to go? Are you seriously going to run him again in November? And are more than 80 million people going to vote for him again in November of next year? That is, of course, assuming that more than 80 million people did actually vote for him in the first place. I see that YouTube is now allowing people to question whether or not there was electoral fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Thanks, Mr. YouTube. Let me say that I don't believe for one single moment that this clown, this senile, dotard, won the last presidential election. I believe that it was rigged. I believe the election was interfered 
with by the deep state of the United States, by the CIA, by the FBI, working in conjunction with the Clinton, Obama, Biden gang. That's what I believe. And now on YouTube, at least, I'm allowed finally to say it. Triumph, you may say, of free speech. Speaking of free speech, where is Gonzalo Lira? And why is the United States government not demanding his release from their client regime's dungeon in Ukraine? This man has committed no crime. He's not a Ukrainian. He cannot, therefore, be guilty of treason to Ukraine. He is an American citizen. American citizens have First Amendment rights. He exercised them, amongst other places, here on this show. You may not like what he had to say. You may well not like other things he had to say. And I'm one of those who didn't and doesn't. But Gonzalo Lira, as an American citizen, has a right to his opinion and to freely express it. And that's all he did. And yet, he was taken on video at gunpoint with several automatic weapons pointed directly at his head and taken off by the Ukrainian security forces. To where? Where is he? Where is he being held? Habeas corpus, I cry. Show us this person so that we can be satisfied that no grave harm has as yet befallen him. That's what we cry here on one of his platforms. He's the most successful guest on the mother of all talk shows that we have ever had, regularly clocking in numbers on his clicks of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of viewers. We have a duty to demand where he is, but not as grave a duty as the United States itself. Unless, of course, they didn't mean it when they said that journalism wasn't a crime. Unless, of course, that was all a lie, Mr. Blinken. Unless, of course, it's only the journalism of which you approve that is not a crime. And when you disapprove, you're happy to see a banana republic entirely beholden to you, financed by you, armed by you, propagandized by you. You're happy to see them with an American citizen in their dungeon, doing to him God knows what. Now, I told you a year ago when Imran Khan was overthrown by the United States government in Washington in a regime change operation that no good would come of it, neither for Pakistan nor for the region or the world. Now, I know that not all of you love Pakistan like I do. I've been involved in Pakistan for 50 years of my life. I hold the two highest civil awards in the country. You could feed me from the Lahore kitchen for the rest of my life and I would be a happy man. But you don't have to love Pakistan. You certainly don't have to love Imran Khan. 
as politically speaking, again, I do not. But you have to pay heed when The Economist itself, a house journal of imperialism, a house journal of capitalism, tells you this week that the military have to butt out of politics in Pakistan and get back to their barracks because the regime change that they have affected, the martial law that they have implemented without having the courage openly to declare it has led to an instability in a nuclear-armed country of hundreds of millions of people in the most explosive geostrategic space in the entire world, which risks breaking completely out of control. What do I mean by out of control? I mean millions of people running free. I mean millions of people coming under fire from their security forces until their security forces run out of bullets and their rifles are rammed up their fundament by an angry crowd of millions. I mean a country with a fleet, a flight of nuclear weapons in their country under guard by whom? At risk and vulnerable by whom and from whom? I mean the real danger of societal, governmental, state chaos in the country of Pakistan. All because of you, Joe Biden, who decided that you could not tolerate a man of independent mind called Imran Khan as the Prime Minister of Pakistan. I told you it was going to be a bumpy night. I told you to fasten your seatbelts. You'd better, because this is the mother of all talk shows. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Now, my first guest, I didn't know if he'd be able to appear because earlier in the week, we received from him the dread news that his own mother had been kidnapped along with his uncle and his cousin. But they've been freed. 
And so he's here. And I don't know how free he is to talk about what happened, but it's my duty to ask him. Please welcome Major Adil Raja, the internet sensation, the truth teller, formerly of the Pakistan army. Adil, by the grace of God, your mother is safe and well, at least I hope so. Uh, are you in a position to tell us what happened to her and how she was able to be returned to our family? Yeah, thank you, George, uh, for this uh, elaborate uh, introduction. Actually, you know, uh, well, last Sunday, once we we talked about uh, this uh, illegal abductions and uh, gross crackdown, hum gross human rights violations and crackdown on women and children, and uh, little I knew that my own mother would become a victim, I found out my mother wasn't really interested in coming out of the country, but uh, she uh, faced an attack. My sister was driving the car and my mother was... Uh, uh, sitting right beside her, beside two other ladies sitting in the back seats. And they were attacked by four uh, unmarked vehicles. Twelve gunmen came out right in the military garrison, and they they, they used their guns uh, to smash the windows of the car, and they tried to drag them by the hair. My sister, she, she just sped away, and these uh, unmarked vehicles kept on chasing them and kept on hitting the car, uh, but they were uh, fortunate enough to escape that day. That was the 16th of May. Uh, they went to the police, the, the police, but the police refused to help them, knowing that this is a common occurrence these days, and knowing that these are the feared intelligence services who are doing it. So well, my mother told me to just please uh, stay quiet for their safety's sake, but she was shaken to the core and she decided we decide. We asked her again to leave the country since uh, we are five brothers and sisters, siblings, and uh, all four of us are living outside the country. So she she reluctantly agreed, and uh, I, I checked uh, that uh, her name was not on the executive control list, uh, not on the blacklist, not on the no-fly list. So we booked a flight uh, for Dubai, where my sister's living. But uh, on the fateful morning, uh, that was a couple of days ago, when she was supposed to fly off, uh, my uncle, paternal uncle, who's a retired army officer, Colonel himself, he and uh, he, who's a heart patient as well, and who uh, who's a, who's who, who, whose condition is critical. He required oxygen cylinder and medication. And his son, my cousin, they went out to drop her to the airport. But as soon as they left their house, my mother was already hiding in their house. She was too scared to live in her own house. As soon as they left, uh, they were kidnapped by four unmarked vehicles. Now I am told, and they were taken away in different different uh, vehicles and uh, later on through my sources I found out that there was a feared ISI internal wing which had kidnapped my mother I, uh, I they expected me to stay quiet but I didn't I didn't I decided to speak up I decided to bring everything to the public notice that that created a huge public pressure I uh, and I, I'm grateful for my member parliament uh, Sarah I'm not going to name her fully because I need to disclose uh, my location as well. I cannot disclose my location. So uh, she helped me out. Uh, she wrote to the Secretary of State uh, to open an inquiry into the abduction of my mother. There was a huge global support actually uh, by the Pakistani diaspora. Free um, uh, Adil Raja's mother was the top trending uh, ha hashtag. 
within the military as well because of uh, my tweet i said that listen today it's my mother tomorrow she she could be your it could be your mother's so that really created a huge pressure on the, them to leave my mother after 24 hours the next day they left my cousin as well but my uncle uh, the ailing uncle is still under their custody and they believe that he's the one who's uh, trying to mislead me imagine that uh, into doing whatsoever i'm doing but, uh, but he hasn't talked to me in the last complete year complete year i haven't talked to him and now they're asking my mother to publicly denounce me and get it published in the newspapers for his release and I've told her, go ahead, people are not fools. They, 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 they know what's actually going on. Actually, there is so little voices of dissent left that they are coming up to their extent to do everything within their power to shut them up. And this is this episode speaks for itself. George. It does uh, with great volume. And thank you for sharing it with us. Now, uh, the point you made there, I think the penultimate point that you made, that voices of dissent are now so rare. And that is because there is a state of martial law. I, I used to travel in Pakistan during martial law. So I know what it looks like. One of the things that it looks like is all the newspapers and all the television reports saying exactly the same thing refusing because they're not allowed to mention exactly the same people, not allowed to show the pictures or mention the name or uh, report the demands or the activities of uh, any given politician group or politicians or campaign. And that is exactly what we've got now in Pakistan. The television stations, which are many, the newspapers, uh, which are many, are now completely under the iron heel of martial law. Why don't they have the guts to officially declare martial law instead of pretending that Shabazz Sharif, the puppet uh, chief minister of the country, prime minister of the country, is actually running the place? Well, George, because they've got no money left in the kitty and they, they're totally dependent on the World Bank and the International Monetary Foundations to help them out. And, uh, you know, what they're doing right now is that previously there was no concept of social media, but now because of social media, they have to show some uh, sort of uh, temporary, maybe normalcy for, for them to do whatsoever they want to do. They just want the report of all okay, sir. That's what they want. They want the complete country to say that all okay, sir, and salute them just like that. This is the psychology of military failure, which they're trying to implement to the entire nation. And in doing so, they are using a scarecrow tactics. And uh, they've hired the top journalists of the country, inside the country, to become the scarecrows. And they've also hired the top social media content makers and people living inside Pakistan. Not even a single one of them are Israel is able to raise independent voice. So what they're doing is that they are playing the part of the scarecrow to make people just scare away, to shut up, not to talk about what's actually going on. They want to create a temporary artificial normalcy. But uh, it would have worked, George, really, it would have worked if the economic situation was any better. But it's getting worse day by day. And what we're foreseeing is that uh, in this month, in this month, they're going to announce a caretaker setup. And that caretaker setup would come from nowhere else but from the World Bank, most probably, because they 
are supposed to give them the bailout and it will be a repeat of the Moin Qureshi era uh, for foreigners would uh, foreign Pakistani might be would be but you know he would be parachuted inside Pakistan like Moin Qureshi who was uh, he, who even did not held the ex-prime minister Moin Qureshi did not even held the Pakistani nationality so once he landed at the airport only then he was handed over the Pakistani the national identity card and uh, he became the prime minister and he sorted the stuff out and this is what I think uh, this is asked by my information this is what they're planning to do but uh, normally this the caretaker setup is supposed to be there for 90 days but uh, they are going to prolong it as long as possible to implement their own strategies and to get relief from the international monetary institutions against whatever they want you know I told you in my first program that uh, Asim Munir has promised the Americans and in principle he has sanctioned the drone strikes uh, on Afghanistan and the Pakistan tribal area but the ground situation the people in that area their reaction is not allowing allowing them to launch the strategy so Americans are very much you know uh, not, not happy with uh, Asim Munir right now uh, and uh, well there, there are different powers uh, centers of power even here in the UK some some of them are supporting him obviously but not all of them and I this not before long if this uh, if somebody keeps calling out the bluff well it's very difficult it would be very difficult for them to show all okay to the global world that is actually what's going on and uh, they're trying to create this uh, uh, this artificial normalcy by using the government handle government verified handles on twitter and they're replying to imran khan through punjab police handle for example they're replying to the economist the economist wrote an article they said the soldiers go home imran khan must be free to contest time the election and ministry of information and broadcast you know responded to it in pure military slang and that is in fact the military arm the isi's uh, media wing and the inter-services public relation using these handles the government handles to answer uh, the international and domestic critique on them george yes the uh, you know military officers with all respect to you uh, have never been good at governing they certainly are no good at being journalists and they are even less good about being social media activists. You can see the khaki a mile away. Uh, you can uh, smell the, the blanco on the, on the belts of the uh, so-called social media activists who are in fact government uh, functionaries. Um, how is Imran Khan? Where is he? What prospect do we have of seeing him contesting free and fair elections? You see, George, uh, what they're planning is that they're going, they're already working on political engineering process. And uh, as I told you before in your programs, that they will, uh, they will definitely uh, work out a plan in which only few of the seats would be won by Imran Khan. And they say he's lost his proper popularity, which is an absolute lie. Imran Khan's party leadership, uh, the, the party leaders, they're betraying him, they're abandoning him. And these are the leaders who join, join hands with him on the recommendation of the military itself, you know. So that is where he went wrong. And now he is uh, bringing in new people, new blood. But the encouraging thing is that uh, the public support of Imran Khan is growing by the day. 
if at all we uh, we we are able to uh, you know uh, we are able to uh, manage a free and fair election in Pakistan, which is a long shot, mind you. And um, but if the international community somehow mobilizes and uh, they they pressurize the, the Pakistan to hold free and fair elections, Imran Khan would be definitely back in power. But if there is absolute free and fair elections, Imran Khan would come with a two-third majority, and that is their biggest uh, you know biggest uh, scare. That is why they're using the scare tactics and that is why they're already working on election engineering process right now what is happening in Lahore where Imran Khan is that uh, his old ally turned foe uh, and, and he was his best friend mind you JKT Jangir Khan Tareen he was his best friend he funded him he supported him but uh, on the question of corruption Imran Khan didn't spare him it was a principal decision by Imran Khan and we respect Imran Khan for that uh, Jangir Khan Tareen uh, parted ways with Imran Khan and now in Jangir, Tareen, Jangir Khan the JKT, JKT, we call him. He is working on behalf of establishment to form this new process of a new party uh, for no political party on behalf of establishment. Uh, the King's Party, the new party uh, comprising of Lotas, what we call it in our local slang. Lotas is uh, some. Uh, it's it's a small it's a small thing you use to uh, you use to wash yourself actually. But these guys, they're turncoats in English. So these turncoats are being uh, garnered together to form a new political party, but he's failing. Why? Because Mr. Zardari wants uh, the turncoats for himself, because he wants his son to become the next prime minister. Now, Mr. Nawaz Sharif, he doesn't want the turncoats, but, but just because he's controlling the army chief and he's got something on him, he wants to be the next, he wants to form the next government without any popularity, without any seats. So no, naturally, he wants the complete election process to be engineered like the army's got the capability to do that I and mean, doesn't matter people come out and if they vote what they do is that they you know play with the result transmission system so uh, and and at the same time uh, people of pakistan is nowhere to be seen as a priority in this entire election engineering process which is going on over here and uh, it is happening all happening in lahore right now so it's it's a fiasco it's a situation right now and even right now under these circumstances imran Khan is the single most popular leader of the country without any doubt and he's not uh, you know not willing to give up is he safe is he physically is safe George that's a million dollar question because uh, the military what uh, they've learned a lesson after uh, Bhutto's after Benazir and after uh, his uh, her father uh, they have learned a lesson that if they're going to make a martyr out of Imran Khan, somebody will, you know, use that and catch that. But they have tried to kill him. They have tried to kill him. You know that he's uh, he's got uh, bullets in his leg. Uh, they, they've again tried. They've tried uh, on a couple of occasions for sure to kill him. But uh, in, in case he is harmed and in case he's assassinated, uh, the public reaction would be uh, unprecedented, more than unprecedented, because people in the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, they are carrying arms and ammunition and weapons, and they'll pick up arms and ammunition, and there'll be a civil war. No doubt about it, there'll be a civil 
civil war in Pakistan if Imran Khan is assassinated. So they're trying to contain him. They're trying to contain him, maybe jail him later on, and maybe disqualify him for fighting the election. But he's not giving up. And uh, well, uh, the, he still has got support of the Pakistani diaspora. That is the biggest support he's got. And Pakistani diaspora, for the first time in the US, are getting together in the shape of Park Pak and the Pakistani physicians over there. They're, they're getting together you know, here in the UK. Uh, some of your friends, uh, the Yakubs and everybody else, you know, they're getting together. They're forming human rights lawyer group to take the to the, take to the uh, the Pakistani establishment to the task. So there is a, a global activism by the Pakistani diaspora. So that is really, you know, what's keeping Imran Khan safe for now. There's a whole lot of lota going on. Thank you very much indeed, Major Adil Raja. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Gonzalo Lira, uh, like Julian Assange, actually, is fortunate that he still has his father and that his father is made of real metal. The kind of metal that brings a father out into the public eye, campaigning for, demanding assurances on the life of his son. Gonzalo Lira Sr. joins us now. His son is in the dungeons in Ukraine. At least we think that's where he is. Mr. Lira, thank you for joining us. We think he's in the dungeons in Ukraine. Can you tell us where he is, what charges he's facing? First of all, good evening, George. Uh, under the circumstances, it's still a pleasure uh, being in your show. I've seen you with my son many times. I do agree with your uh, postures, political posture. I don't know about my son. All I know is that he was detained on May the 1st by the SPU, accused of inciting people against the uh, Zelensky regime. Gonzalo has been very, very outspoken insofar as what the real war is going on. And his opinion, George, is something that it is sanctioned by the United Nations. Don't forget that I'm reading the General Assembly in Paris on December 10th, 1948. The Article 10 of Human Rights, freedom of expression. Everyone has a right to freedom of expression. This right shall include freedom to hold opinions, and to receive and impart information and ideas without interference by public authority and regardless of frontiers. Gonzalo is an American citizen exercised his rights of and freedom of speech, and he was violently taken detained on May 1st while he was sleeping, he was awoken by at least four or five soldiers appointing guns, I mean, heavy rifles to his body and threw him out of his home and sent him to prison. I received information after 
at least two weeks afterwards from the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. The official at the U.S. Embassy told me that he had held a video conference with my son. We don't know since that day, which was approximately May 15, whether my son is alive, whether my son has been tortured, and what is the outcome of the accusations that he's facing. All I know is that according to this embassy official, the people in the jail had appointed attorney to defend my son. That's a kangaroo court. Zelensky is fighting, according to Biden, for the freedom of Ukraine. Well, he's not showing freedom to the rest of the world. You cannot detain an American citizen speaking his voice, speaking his speech, having his ideas that totally against what Zelensky believes. And he has no right to detain my son. This is totally, I mean, I have no words to describe as a father. I am not sleeping well, George. I'm having nightmares. I'm having nightmares that my son is being tortured. The stories that I get in Chile, I live in Santiago, Chile, by the way. The stories that I get from Ukraine are bad, are dreadful. They violate human rights. It's a country that doesn't believe in rights of people. They don't believe in human rights. And what I'm living right now as a citizen of the world is something that in this time where we're living in the 21st century, we should not be exposed to this kind of activities in the world. What is going to happen with Biden's help, by the way, and I'm very disappointed with the U.S. government because they haven't done anything. The State Department, some spokesman with the last name Matthew, I believe, he was asked by Liam uh, Grosford or someone about the, uh, the outcome of Monsanto. Well, they have no word. The embassy has contacted my son, as I said before, just once, the middle of May. My son has been in jail since May the 1st. It's over a month. We cannot accept this. As a citizen of the world, I cannot accept what is going on with my son. I cannot accept that the U.S. government doesn't do a thing to protect an American citizen. This is outrageous. I don't want to hear any more longer that the U.S. is for freedom, is for human rights. They are not protecting human rights in the world. They are stepping on human rights. And it's about time that Mr. Biden, Mr. Zelensky, open your eyes. I'm a simple old 80-year-old man begging for the future of my son. I beg you, I implore you to release my son. Deport him from Ukraine if you wish. But please, 
Let Veronica, age 10 years old, and Ramon, who's going to be eight years old next Monday the 12th, to see their father and to leave me in the few years that I have left in peace. Well, I'm almost speechless at the power and poignancy of that, uh, Mr. Lira, and I'm sure the entire audience is. Uh, all I can think of to ask you further uh, is uh, the Chilean government. Uh, of course, he's an American citizen, but he is a ethnically Chilean. You are a Chilean. Is the Chilean government? of any use in this affair. George, Gonzalo was born while I attended university in the USA. I arrived into the USA as a resident alien with a green card that was given to me in the Chilean, in the American, excuse me, consulate in Santiago on the 17th day of March, 1964. My immigration card was A14147451. I was a legal resident studying at UCLA. I lived many years in the USA, married with a Chilean uh, girl. She came to the USA. We were living, and Gonzalo was born in Bourbon at the St. Joseph Hospital in Bourbon which is a district of Los Angeles, California, on the 29th of February, 1968. He's American citizen by birth. He came to Chile when we came back, when he was eight years old. And as a matter, as an aside, he was a wetback for a while in Chile until finally my wife didn't know the paperwork that had to be done. But anyway, he became a Chilean citizen as dual citizen. The Chilean government, with a leftist president, Boric, I'm ashamed of this man. The U.S. embassy that they don't have in Ukraine, they have in Poland, they haven't done a thing, nothing at all. The Chilean government has not even spoken about Gonzalo, let alone lifting their hand to help him in any way. So, so Gonzalo has been left on his own. I don't know where he is, George. I don't know whether he's been tortured. I don't know whether he's alive, George. But we, as human beings, as we call ourselves civilized people, cannot any longer continue with wars that they are devastating a country called Ukraine. I mean, they're not going to leave anything left in Ukraine. And the U.S. is pushing them from behind with the NATO forces. This is outrageous, outrageous. And as a citizen of the world, I demand that this should be stopped. How many young people have died because the old ones are sending them to their own death? As soldiers, that should be illegal. We shouldn't have this. People are going crazy. 
I live 80 years in this world. I've seen many things, but we are becoming worse year after year. We're invading countries. We are, I mean, there's no law, George. And it's very unfortunate that my son has been involved in this outrageous regime in Ukraine. I cannot understand this man Zelensky being a father and letting two children, like his own children, without a father, which are my grandsons. This has to be stopped. Well, uh, Mr. Lira, you may be 80 years old, uh, but I'd sooner you were in the White House with your finger on the button than the 80-year-old who is in the White House. And I'm sure that the whole audience will concur with that. I'm deeply grateful. I promise you the full support of uh, this show. And I'm going to ask now everybody watching, everyone who sees this stream or the clips that will come from it, to use any address that you can get your hands on of any official American organization. Write to your congressperson, your senator, write to your local political representatives, write to the White House, write to the American embassy, wherever you are, and ask them what they're doing to free Gonzalo Lira. These are... Could you give me okay, 15 seconds? As one th yes, of course I will. Go ahead, sir. George, speaking of the USA, my son Gonzalo is more gringo than Chileno. His mother lives in England, in, in the States. His sister lives in the USA. He has two uncles, my two older brothers. We have three brothers. We all studied in the USA. My two older brothers are still alive, and they're living in Los Angeles, California. He has six uh, uh, first cousins. One of them, Michael Vernon Lira, has spoken to the governor of Arkansas and the U.S. senator of Arkansas to, to help Gonzalo to call the Department of State in the USA. So we're moving in the USA. My son is an American citizen, and we're doing all we can with our family in the USA. I'm the only one, as a matter of fact, living in Santiago, Chile. I'm very happy to live in, in this country. Uh, Mr. Lira Sr., Gonzalo Lira Sr., thank you for joining us. And we all will pray uh, for the safety and the early release and the reunification with his family of the journalist and broadcaster Gonzalo Lira. Gonzalo is a man exercising his First Amendment rights as an American citizen. Millions were uh, delighted to hear his point of view. And even if they did not agree with it, cannot possibly agree with a journalist like him being led away at automatic gunpoint and then held effectively incommunicado. Neither can we accept uh, the American authorities doing nothing about it. So whichever country you're in, write to the American ambassador. Ask 
for the for news on the safety of Gonzalo Lira. Say that you have always looked forward to his alternative point of view on the war in Ukraine and how you cannot imagine that the American government, which has so often opined that journalism is not a crime, would sit by doing nothing while an American journalist wastes away in a Ukrainian jail. Please do everything you can to save the life of Gonzalo Lira. Let me take a quick break and then the show is all yours. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Is Joe Biden for the drop? A yes, 87%, no, 13%. That's on Twitter, but he doesn't fare any better on YouTube where it's yes, 90%, no, 10%. Or on Telegram where it's yes, 94%, no, 6% on the YouTube community poll. It's even worse. It's yes, 95%, no, 5%. Uh, 12,000 and nine of you have voted. You've still got about 20 minutes to get your vote in. I was remiss in not telling you some further good news. You'll recall that last week I announced that we had, for the first time, broken the 2 million viewer barrier. This week we broke the 3 million viewer barrier. 3 million and 28,649 people or viewers viewed all or part of the mother of all talk shows in the last seven days. Three million on a budget so small, you'd laugh out loud if I told you what it was. If we can continue to grow as we are now growing, there's no stopping us now. It's not just because we're quite good at this. It's not because of me. It's not because of the tireless electronic and technical wizardry and skill and expertise of the people who helped me make this show. It's because of those things, but it's because of something even more important. The world has finally broken in its trust of the so-called mainstream media and is determined to find alternative points of view, alternative sources of light, alternative explanations of where we are and how we got here, and most importantly, how we are going to get out of here. More and more people are letting their fingers do the walking and they're searching 
and finding the mother of all talk shows. So I thank you, all of you, who brought me that extra viewer that I told you I was looking for. This week it was 3,028,000. Can we keep that up? Well, we can if we keep your support. Uh, Sean PB says, God bless you, Mr. Lira Sr. I will always pray for your son until he is free, and I will never forget what they have done. Thank you, Sean. I must say it was a very powerful interview. Nearly made me cry. I don't know about you. Gonzalo's lucky, actually, to have a father as passionate and eloquent as that batting uh, on his behalf. Uh, Anthony Lombardi says, I'm a dual citizen, US and Italy. I would give up the US one, but it costs too much. Uh, messages have been flooding in on my Patreon page. Maurice McIntyre says, the West, USA, really hasn't a clue to deal with the emerging new world order. The default approach of sanctions on the East are having limited impact. Biden is at the helm, but he ain't steering the ship. Thanks, Maurice. Armias A. Abebe says, I think the people around him, like the Blinkens and co, are more dangerous. I don't think Biden knows where he is. The guy is falling for fun nowadays. And uh, legend, Moat's legend, Graham Briggs White, says he is the biggest existential threat to life on Earth I have known, as there's criminals working him around the back. He can hardly stand, for God's sake, and anyone voting for him must be from your Ward 5 that you talk about. Thanks, Graham. And Bert Jesk. Jesk. Lopetino, forgive me for that. Uh, if people had guts, they would all take up whatever they have and would free Assange, for example, or the son of this man. And James Halpin says, if there's a God, new Moats graduate is Victor Morel. Thank you, Victor. And another new Moats legend from the United States, Lucy from Virginia. Lovely Lucy. Thank you. James Lenahan says, I'm not for Joe Biden, but he's a fly on an elephant's ass compared to what is going on in the U.S. And uh, this week, the state of Georgia made raising bail for people arrested at the site of Atlanta's Cop City a terrorist act. Let's take a call from the sage of New York City, Erobos, one of our moats legends. Erobos, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mr. Galloway. Salubrious day and much health to you, your family, friends, and supporters, and anyone that can and is within their capacity, please support George, his family, and this magnificent program, the mother of all talk shows. Amen. Um, Thank you. Um, uh, I'm listening to uh, Adil Raja. Let me just first say I'm glad that him and his mother and his family is safe. A very, very sobering uh, situation. I didn't know if they get upset and angry or cry. I was doing both at the same time. And, you know, um, for, for what people want to say about um, the uh, Soviet Union, you know, Stalin and the others, um, they knew how to deal with their enemies. But that's not why um, I'm principally calling. You know, it's a difficult call for me as an activist within the 
LGBTQ community, Q+. I have one or two personal friends from that community. Today is uh, actually Queen's Pride. Um, and I usually go out there. Um, so there are two things I see that, that have to be unpacked. You know, um, it is it is very difficult to explain to someone that is not part of the community or don't understand how people would go. It seemed like they would go against the entire, their family, their community, everything they love, put themselves at risk, be hurt, sometimes shot, and they have to flee their country sometimes for the rest of their lives. Um, that's one thing. So I know, as you know, this this is a, a genuine thing with people that this is their identity. They they can't change it. They can't. It, it's you know it's not um, something yeah. they can do genetically. Yeah. However, right. on the other side of that, um, what what the corporations have done is they have weaponized these identities. They have done it with women's rights. They've done it to the abolitionists. They have done it. Uh, in every scale that, that you can see, and the graveyard to all these movements is usually said uh, through the Democratic Party. But in general, it's been corporatized to such an extent. And now that we have um, what I what I call Jubilee, Juneteenth, we also have it in this month. You know, there were no reparations, no education, uh, no um, no health care, no no none of that. Just a holiday, and people psychologically feel better. So what they do is, the, the, well, you notice the corporations, they have weaponized the identities. And what, what, what takes place is people in that identity, they feel seen. They feel empowered because a corporation takes the identity and puts it on blast. It's on all through the media, TV, posters, billboards, and only for that month. Before that month and after that month, they don't care about the LGBTQ uh, kids that are sleeping in the pair down here in Christopher Street. They don't care about the, you know, the homeless situation. They don't care about health care, all, all the people. You know. So it's only, you're only seen during your specific month. They do the same thing with Black History Month. They do the same thing with Women's Month. So you know, it's, it's a weaponization of identity. And because people unfortunately feel seen, it's a sort of uh, faux or fake psychological empowerment. You know, there's no meaningful material change in the life of the people, but they feel seen and heard because a corporation decides to adopt the identity, project it into the world solely for their profit. When you go down to pride, and I can guarantee you this, and the last thing I'm going to say, because as Morpheus told Neo about the, about the Nebuchadnezzar, time is always against us. The last month of this, uh, the last week of this month is going to be uh, Manhattan Pride. And you, I guarantee you, you're going to see Raytheon, you're going to see General uh, General Dynamics, you're going to see Goldman Sachs, you're going to see all of these corporations. And people just want to be seen, and they're just so happy about it, even though there's no personal benefit. And I would argue, even if there was a personal benefit, think of the cost. Right? We, we only think about identity. We don't think about the cost and the impact these corporations are having on the world. They're literally putting us at risk with this World War III scenario, but nobody thinks about that. They're just so glad and so happy to be seen. And as always, I appreciate the time. More power to you. No, I, I, I very much appreciate your call. It's bread and circuses, nothing more and no less. 
It is uh, throwing, uh, casting uh, pearls upon swine. It is a distraction from the reality that these Raytheon weapons massacre gay people, straight people, male people, female people, trans people. They are completely indiscriminate, these weapons. These wars that these companies are profiting mightily from and that paid for their float on Manhattan Pride uh, make no distinction at all in the people that they slaughter. The people down there on that street that you mentioned in Queens, Christopher Street, I think you said, these people down there that have no home, that are in a tent if they're lucky, that are under a cardboard uh, box if they are lucky, or are open completely to the elements down there on the street in Queens. Nobody cares whether they are gay or straight or identify as a man or as a woman. They're there because they're poor. They're there because they're homeless. And nobody in the system that will be so resplendently, illuminously represented on the Pride marches gives a damn about the homeless people. They are still less their gender, their sexual orientation. And I could go right across the card, but as you say, uh, in the words of Nebuchadnezzar, time is against us. I would add only this, that I understand people's wish uh, to be empowered, but I ask them in what way they are empowered by watching the gyrating of a gay person on the back of a truck fleetingly go past uh, them in Manhattan once a year. How empowering is that? Let me give you a suggestion of a course of action that would be far more empowering and would last far longer than a day in June, in summertime, in Manhattan. It is that we unite the maximum number of people of all orientations. We all have an orientation, after all. I have no need to advertise mine. Mine is fairly common. And I recognize that for people whose orientation is not as common that they might feel more of a need to display it, to advertise it. But if we could unite people of all orientations, all colors, all ethnicities, from all backgrounds, as workers whose labor makes the world go round, without whom the world could not function. If we united under that identity, which is, of course, one of our identities, I argue the most empowering one of all. It's not necessarily the most important one, 
Maybe your religion is. It is mine. My religion is the most important of my identities. We all have multiple identities. But it is the most empowering identity. It is the identity which, if we could unite the maximum number of people around it, Raytheon would be no more. Goldman Sachs would be no more. The exploiters, the moneylenders, the bankers, the crooked, corrupt politicians, the arms merchants, the masters of war would be no more. And we would be masters of our own destiny and able to deal with the other issues which undoubtedly exist, identity being one of them. Thanks, Orobas, for giving me that opportunity to vent. Let's hear from Mike in the west of Ireland, where I'm bound on the 22nd of this month to Galway Bay. Mike, what would you like to say? Hello, George. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, I can. Good. Yes. Uh, great. Uh, I, I love your show, and I, I watch you every day on my phone, almost every day, because uh, you're, you're a gentleman you. and scholar. Thank you. And uh, I'm from a little Thank town you. called Westport. It's about 50 miles north of Galway. I'll be going down on the 22nd of June, down to Galway to, to see you, and, and the lovely Claire Daly as well. She's a fantastic MEP for Ireland. She's a... She, she's a She's, uh, she's a, a, a very bright light in a very, very dark place. And that dark place is a place called the European Parliament. A sycophantic, uh, horrible, how beautifully, how, 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 how beautifully expressed, Mike. There's the meeting on the street. I must say it's the mother of all public meetings, don't you think? Claire Daly, uh, uh, MEP, George Galloway, Mick yeah. Wallace, MEP, that's Karen right, Devine-Hanna, Catherine Colliday, TD, yeah. Catherine Connolly, TD, and Mairead Farrell, TD, Galway Alliance right. Against Wars. Yeah. Not a bad meeting, is it, Mike? It's a mighty, it'll be a mighty meeting. And, uh, and George, you were, you were, I don't realise how popular you are here in, in the west of Ireland, but you, 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 find, you will find out. You'll find out, because a lot of people, and oh, I, I, spread, I spread your word around quite a lot as well. Because uh, I'm hoping that I can get to... God uh, bless you. Well, I'm bringing one of my children, Orla, uh, who feels, because of her name, particularly attached to Ireland. Uh, I'm bringing her and my good wife, of course. It'll be her first visit to Ireland. And I must say that... Uh, that uh, Niall Farrell and, uh, and Jenny and all the uh, people involved in the building of this meeting have done a magnificent job, uh, bedeviled by the usual cowardice of, uh, of the owners of venues. Uh, if necessary, we'll hold it out in the street uh, because, of course, Mick, it never rains in Ireland. Thanks, Mike. Uh, let's go to Shokat Hayes on Pakistan. Go ahead, Shokat. Oh, my hero, George Galloway. Uh, I'm a fan Thank of you, yours since, since I'm, I'm a young student. Now I'm 68, retired, professional, and uh, I'm still a fan of Thank yours. You, sir. I believe you are Thank a you, hero sir. of whistleblowers, you know? And uh, I, I may uh, Allah, creator of the world, 
keep you in safe and happy and healthy. Uh, I first Thank of all sir. like to salute you, the manner you are taking uh, Raja Adil, Major Raja Adil retired, who is the hero of Pakistani nation at the moment, last one year, another 13 months, since this PDM mafia civil government has taken over with the blessings of army and I believe America. And this corrupt journals whom, whom, who make fool of Pakistani nation uh, in last 75 years, and Pakistani nation was so uh, stupid, they used to love them like their, their fathers, right? And this Imran Khan, I think he is a world hero politics. He is a leader. He is equivalent to any of the history's leader. He will be. I can guarantee you, the minute he finished the speech in the United Nations, when he was prime minister, the world powers and especially anti-Islam forces, he he spoken six points, money laundering, uh, pollution, uh, everything he, he spoke about, you know, that these powers from third world countries help our mafia political and journals to bring the money, looted money to their banks and, and, and give them loans through to IMF and those countries go in a viscous cycle. So that man was out of their, their list. There was red cross on him since that speech. So what I think and what I believe, he's a hero and he will change not only Pakistan, he will change the world. I can bet you. The world has enough resources. Inshallah. Inshallah, Shokat, thanks uh, for that very powerful paean of praise to Imran Khan. Uh, many people uh, see him that way. Uh, it's abundantly clear to me, as someone who knows Pakistan and Pakistanis very well, that he is the overwhelming choice of the people of Pakistan. I would not myself in the past have voted for him. I was with all of my life, a different party altogether. But I always liked and admired Imran Khan as a, as a cricketer and then as a political figure. I consider him to be absolutely uh, unimpeachable on the issues of corruption and criminality that you have identified there and which are the emblem of the prevailing political class in Pakistan. Corruption is their middle name, but it is not his middle name. And that's one, only one, of the reasons why they hate him so, and why they can't allow him to spoil the job, as it were. I'm not in any doubt at all that if there were free and fair elections, uh, that Imran Khan would win not just a sweeping victory, but uh, an unprecedented uh, victory. I have never regarded these generals as a friend of the Pakistani people, but rather as their enemy. The main purpose of the Pakistan army is to oppress its own people, to repress its own people. Uh, they have killed quite a lot of friends of mine. 
Uh, they killed my hero, Zulfikar Ali Bhutto. Uh, they killed my friend that I loved so dearly, Benazir Bhutto. Uh, they have killed party workers of all stripes, actually, because these coups have been perpetrated against all of the parties. Benazir was overthrown in a coup. Nawaz Sharif was overthrown in a coup. Zulfikar Ali Bhutto was murdered as a result of a coup. So uh, all of them from time to time have fallen victim to a military caste, which is not just utterly corrupt, exists as a parasitic sore on the back of the people of Pakistan, but is a slave to another country thousands of miles away, which cares nothing for the well-being either of the ordinary Pakistani or even the ordinary Jawan, the ordinary soldier in Pakistan. Do you think the American top brass in the CIA, in Langley and Virginia, you think they care about Pakistan or Pakistanis? You think Joseph Borrell considers Pakistan to be a part of the garden? No! He considers it to be the heart of darkness in the jungle. Imran Khan was making progress uh, for the people of Pakistan. That much is indisputable and in comparison with the economic collapse that Pakistan is now undergoing, uh, his record looks even rosier. I don't know where it's all going to end, but I'm not going to stop talking. Uh, about democracy in Pakistan, because that's what I got my medals for. And I'm not going to give them away lightly. I was awarded for my work for the restoration of democracy in Pakistan in the 1980s. I'm not going to remain silent as democracy is murdered in 2023. Well, there's no time uh, for much more of an oration from me. It uh, has been an important show, I think. Adil Raja's uh, clips with us are attracting truly enormous numbers of viewers. And I think that Gonzalo Lira Sr.'s interview is one of the most emotionally poignant and powerful that we have ever shown on the mother of all talk shows. And I predict that that too will go widely and will be the cause of many a prayer for our friend Gonzalo Lira going up to God tonight. From your lips to God's ear by the grace. Thank you very much for being with us. Uh, the good news is I'm back on Wednesday at the slightly later time of 9 p.m. UK time. As I told you, 3 million and 28,000 people watched us in the last seven days. Could we possibly match that in the next seven days? Well, we can with your help. God willing. Good night.